my church, it doesn't seem like a week has gone by. Another Wednesday night. I hope you're being safe. Uh, social distancing, wearing your mask out in public, all those things that'll keep you well. Uh, those things that will help uh, slow the spread of this down or stop it. Tonight, I want to look at the church of Berea. We find the church of Berea in Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 10. It says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. See, they had been uh, in Ephesus. They had been uh, all over that known part of the world. Okay? They'd been in Philippi. And then... In Philippi, they were ran out, as usual. Paul seemed to have that a lot uh, happen to him a lot. Uh, they were run out of this town and run out of that town. They were in Thessalonica, and then as they get ready to throw them out of town, it says, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, where they arrived. Uh, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul and Bria, they claimed, came there also and stirred up the crowds, and immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go uh, to the sea, both Silas and Timothy remained there. Father, uh, give us uh, your understanding of your scripture. Let your Holy Spirit teach us and guide us. Empower your word, Lord, that it won't come back to you uh, in a void. That it'll come back. It'll do what you sent out in purpose for. Father, be with those sitting within the sound of my voice who have not accepted Christ Jesus publicly as our personal Lord and Savior, that this would be the time they would do that very thing. And I ask you to do these things for us uh, as we celebrate uh, uh, just your presence with us. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, the church of Berea was one of those churches that uh, uh, is mentioned that has a good reputation. Some scholars said, said it was the faultless church, but we know no churches are faultless because no humans are faultless. Jesus was the only one who ever lived a perfect life. Uh, but some churches do seem to experience more triumphs than others. Some seem to have the hand of God on them in special ways uh, that, that just can't be explained uh, that other churches do not. The church of Berea was that kind of a church where God's hand was there. You couldn't really explain all that was going on, but God's hand was there. And so Luke lists several characteristics here that I think we need to understand to be that kind of church. Has God's hand on them in special ways. See, God blesses our faithfulness. We need to understand that. And He blesses our faithfulness, and I think we possess these characteristics uh, because of that. Okay? The first one I see is a word that we don't really like to use in church it's progressive. These people were progressive. Verse 10 in the first part of verse 11 says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Uh, what, what are we talking about when they're saying progressive? Well, first of all, it says they were fair-minded. 
The Greek word literally means noble-minded. These people were well-born, and by that I mean their disposition was open to God. Open to God's ways, open to God's will, mainly open to God's word. I like the way the Amplified Bible says this verse. It says, they were entirely ready and accepted and welcomed the message with inclination of mind and eagerness. In other words, they wanted to hear God's word. They wanted to obey God's word. They searched the scriptures daily to make sure it was God's word. And that, that's what a progressive church really means is that, is that we're not so closed in uh, to the way things have always been done. And that leads me to the second, second characteristic. They weren't just fair-minded or noble-minded. Uh, they were not afraid. See, they were progressive, they were flexible. They were willing to hear this new thing, this resurrection from the dead in a new way. And when you think about it, the Apostle Paul was persecuted again and again for preaching that Jesus came as the Messiah, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, and then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And people had a hard time accepting that uh, that he died from the, for the sins of the world as God's Messiah and rose on the third day after he died. It was a foreign idea, and because they weren't open to God, because they weren't uh, thinking uh, like God, you see, they didn't think that God would do it any other way but the way he had always done it. That God wouldn't do it any other way but the way they knew. That God wouldn't do it any way but their way. And therefore, they missed out and ran Paul after city after city. But these Thessalonians were progressive in that they were fair-minded. They were not afraid. Um, they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The seven last words of the church have always been, we've never done it that way before. Or some variation. We don't do it here like that. Um, well, we tried that once and it didn't work. So we're never going to try it again. By now, most of us should realize that our world is rapidly changing. In a blink of an eye, in a heartbeat, something else is invented to make time uh, go by faster to me. We communicate as never before on social media. We're more lonely because we're more isolated, not just because of COVID, but also because uh, we just don't have that much personal interaction. But see, we need to ask, this question, are we going to be like other churches and denominations who have faded into history because they would not change, because they could not see God doing it a different way, because uh, they were closed off to doing it anyway but their own way? Are we going to be like the Bereans? They were more progressive. They, they uh, represent uh, a continuing possibility of reaching people for Christ. Whatever ministries we have, whatever we do here, it should be uh, to reach our young people, to reach those uh, adults that, that think we're still stuck in the 60s or the 50s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or even now the 2000s, to realize that it's okay to do things in a new way. The gospel never changes. The methods of sharing it change dramatically. Uh, and I'm not talking about just styles of worship. Styles should not interfere with our worship. Uh, styles are just personal preferences. What I'm talking about is the message of Jesus Christ and how we share it. And, and the more we're open to doing things in different ways, the more that other people take note that that, that church is, is open to us. See, the acid test in a Southern Baptist church on whether we're progressive is this. What do we do with new members? 
say, well, of course, we, we set them down. We stick on committees. But what committees are new members allowed to serve on? How are they respected? Do they have a voice in the church? Are they encouraged to serve? Are they trusted? Are they assimilated to be part of the body? Or are we holding them at arm's length until we know you? Until you've proven yourself worthy of our group? It's a vast difference. We need to ask, is that one of the things that God would have us be more progressive on? The second thing I see is, is priority. In, in the last part of verse 11, it says, uh, And they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. As a Christian, uh, we need a priority. And, and it's a priority of what do we do with God's word, but... In facing change as a Christian, there are two extremes. One is what's called Ponce de, Le, Ponce de, Leon, de, de Leon, and get it out, Ponce de Leon anxiety. And that is, you remember Ponce de Leon was a guy who went around searching for uh, the fountain of youth. He never found it. He always wanted to find the fountain of youth. In other words, he wanted to relive the good old days. He wanted to keep living the good old days the same way he had always lived the good old days. What I want to understand is the good old days are right now. When they talk about the good old days, I want to talk about, what are you talking about? And they usually mean the old ways are the best ways. Well, old ways don't need to just be tossed out, but they need to be examined. I mean, does anybody want to go back to not having air conditioning? After being outside and preaching and watching y'all sweat and me sweat? I'm so glad that we don't have to go back to the old days and not have air conditioning. Who wants to go back to the days of hey, now houses? I can remember sitting on a hard bench, fanning in a, in a church, hot as I can be. And when he had to go to the bathroom, he had to wait. And after the service, there was a line at the outhouse. And if you went to the woods, you was going to get chiggers or seed ticks. I don't want to go back to the old days because the old ways aren't always the best ways. Do we understand that? Sometimes old ways are exactly that, old. And old is not fun. I'm telling you, the older I get, the less fun it becomes. But the second extreme is to be avoided also, not just the Ponce de Leon anxiety, but neolatry. 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 That just means uh, this type of person says the new ways are always the best way simply because they're new. We worship that which is new. You see this. In our country, they want the newest phone, the newest computer, the newest gadget, the newest program, the newest video game, the newest car. New, 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 new. The newest mate, whatever you want to say. But see, those two extremes, holding on to the past just because it's the past and grabbing for the new just because it's new, are not the proper priority. What's the proper priority? It tells in this verse. They received the word with all readiness. They were ready. To hear God's word. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out if it really was a word from God. So they were open to God's word. They were open to God's teaching. I'm not talking about some kind of new thing where people are going to lead you off into a cult here or there. But I'm saying teaching God's word should be our priority. And we need to be open to what he wants to teach us. See, receive it with all readiness. Daily. Daily searching, daily searching. It means to investigate. It means to dig deep. It means, is this really what God is saying in these things? Are they really so? Their priority was the word of God as they were to live it out 
in their lives. The Bible. You see, progressiveness isn't uninformed. They were not open-minded and tolerant to anything. They weren't so open-minded like some folks I know. Well, you're just closed-minded. Well, if they're so open-minded, they fall out and the brain gets dirty. All right? Uh, you need to understand that the Bible is the standard that we see the trustworthiness and the workability of any new idea. We'll say that again. The Bible is the standard by which we determine the trustworthiness and workability of any new idea. No church will be triumphant the way God wants it to be. No church will be progressive the way God wants it to be if they don't give top priority to what the Word of God says. The biggest problem in our churches today, and I could name a whole litany of problems, we've all heard them, we've all seen them, and it's not based on the people here and there, it's based on biblical ignorance. We are biblically illiterate as a people of God. We'll claim things, the Bible says this, well no, that's what Aunt Sally told us, but when you get to looking for the verse, that verse isn't in the Bible. That's just a quaint saying that somebody gave us. It may have some wisdom in it, but it's not the Bible. But we're biblically illiterate. The more I study my Bible, the more I realize how little I know. The more I realize how much I don't know. It humbles me, uh, the Word of God does, by how deep it is and, and how it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And in our day, we need to understand the application is very simple. Are we studying our Bibles to live our Bibles? Are we studying our Bibles to teach others what the Word of God really says? And that teaching may take place uh, across uh, YouTube or, or live streaming. That teaching may take place across Zoom. That teaching may take place one-on-one -on -one, uh, mentoring. Uh, that teaching can take place at church. It can take place in your homes. But it needs to take place. But it will never happen if we're not biblically grounded. Progressiveness is good if it's biblically grounded and the priority is that God and His Word will be obeyed and followed. And that's what we need. But these people didn't just have progressiveness and priority. They had purpose. Verse 12 says, Therefore many of them believed, and not, also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. See, their, their purpose was very simple. They did everything with a purpose. They weren't open-minded just for open-mindedness sake. Uh, the way we would say it, their, their, their madness had a method. They wanted other folks to know about Jesus. Their priority in God's Word was to lead, to point people to the Savior that men and women would come to know. And the church was being added to, and not just a few, but many of the prominent people, those that might be the hardest reached, those that didn't have all the needs, those that thought they were okay, living good, moral, upright lives, productive citizens, were coming to realize they were sinners just like everyone else, and they were coming to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, when the Bible is proclaimed in a Sunday school class, when it's proclaimed from the pulpit, when it's proclaimed with the way we live, you see, things happen. One of the main things happen is, when we're doing this and searching the Scriptures daily, we're not tossed about by every wave and wind of doctrine. Ephesians chapter 4, 
Verse 14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who's the head, Christ. Do we understand that? We'll be stable when we devote ourselves to searching the scriptures daily. We'll be stable when we're open to God and his purpose. When we realize that God's word points to Jesus and we're to share God's word so it'll point others to Jesus. Again, I want to say this. I always tell you, location, 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 that's the greatest thing. But the reason some churches are more triumphant isn't because of a location, isn't because of their history, isn't because of their money, isn't because of their facilities, that they're especially blessed. It's because of what they do. They magnify God through His Word and lift up Jesus, and the hand of God is upon them in mighty ways. You love, the, you love your neighbor as yourself. You live a life that impacts your community. You share Jesus Christ because he's the one who empowers us by his Holy Spirit to live as we're supposed to live. And we live out Christianity by doing good works so that they'll see our works and glorify the Father in heaven. And when we do those things, when we do those things, God's hand rests upon us. Now, if God said, what are your priorities, what would we answer? If he said, are you progressive enough to change some things? Do we hold on to everything and squeeze real tight and close our eyes and pretend that he didn't say it? Are we ready to reach out in different ways to the young adults in our community? Can we give them a cause for being here that is not just because it's something to do. It's not habit, even though it's a good habit and it's a good something to do. But there's a purpose to the madness. Do we want people to really be saved and the church to change to reach people? Or does it got to be my way or the highway? The Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Because they received the word of God openly, regularly, and checked daily the scriptures to see if these things were so. That should be our goal. Today, if you haven't accepted Christ, the invitation is for you to accept Christ. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ today and say, I haven't been living the way I should be, but I want to. If you need to say, God, work in me the new thing you want to do in the church when we get back together. The, the thing that, that maybe I've been resistant to, but I'm just turning it over to you. Then you make those decisions right there in your home as I pray. Father, for those who haven't accepted Christ, let them know that they'll repent of their sins and ask you to be the boss of their life by placing their faith in you. You'll save them from their sins. Father, for those, even I, who need to rededicate, to be open to the ways you would move to reach the next generation for Christ and help us to do that. We don't want to lose generation after generation after generation because of our stubbornness. But Lord, we want to be in the center of your will. So help us to be more noble-minded 
by searching the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, for protecting us, for guiding us, for providing for us. Continue to do so, we ask in Jesus' name.